So I just arrived at Twickenham Station. There's quite a lot of people come off the um, off the train, so I'm just waiting for them all to go by. The train's just about to depart, and I'm here meeting Calvin Niles, who hopefully is going to be waiting for me at the station, and he's taken me to his neighbourhood, which is in Hounslow. So climbing the steps to the ticket office to see whether he's waiting for me. So it's been a bit of a wet, miserable start to uh, Monday morning, um, but it's not raining now. And I'm just come out of Twickenham Station, crossing over a little bridge, and there's quite a wide river actually running underneath. I'm not quite sure which one that is. Must be one of the tributaries leading into the Thames. And just going to meet Calvin now. He's going to pick me up down the road. So I'm just walking down London Road, in fact. Hello and welcome to the Travelling Through podcast. I'm your host, Emma, and today I'm interviewing Calvin Niles, entrepreneur and empowerment coach. He's from Barbados, and this is his story about London, the world and life. So today I am in Hounslow and I'm sitting in Calvin Niles' kitchen. Hello, Calvin. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me to Hounslow, one of London's suburbs that you pass on your way to out west towards Heathrow Airport. That's it. Yeah. That's the one. Um, area to uh, many iconic buildings such mm. as Twickenham Stadium for the rugby, mm-hmm. Chiswick House, Cyan House, yep. Osterley, is it Park? Osterley Park, yeah. Osterley Park. Yeah. And um, obviously yourself. And the home of Phil Collins as well, by the way. Is it really? Indeed. Okay, I didn't know that. So there we go. Didn't pass <laughs> him. I didn't pass him on my way here, sadly. <laughs> Would have been quite nice to chat to him too. Could have invited him for breakfast. <laughs> um, so welcome to Travelling Through Podcast. This is the first time I've actually come to your neighbourhood and I've got many questions to, mm. to ask you as I've known you for a little while now but I'm going to resist that and just start from the very beginning if I can. So I was trying to remember when I actually first met you and I believe it was through our mutual and good friend Stephen Marriott. Indeed. Who is an author and a writer and various other things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In very between. talented man indeed. Very yes. talented, <laughs> yes. And I think he invited <clears throat> you for a meeting at Travelling Through Bookshop and cafe yes. and that's when we first met and it does ring a bell i mean i used to work in that area you did that's right so it's plausible yeah um and then it obviously as you know became one of my favorite places <laughs> well we saw you quite often and i know you were quite partial to the whitstable beer now, now and again <laughs> don't tell many people that no, one. I, <laughs> I keep that under i've graduated to whiskey of course oh yeah. have you really oh, dear. <laughs> Um, that's an acquired taste in itself, isn't it? <laughs> Being a Scot, I know all about that. <laughs> um, but also, travelling through, played host to um, a crowdfunding event for Tome. Indeed, yes, that's right. Yeah. Which was a, 2017. Was it 2017? I was trying to remember exactly when that was. Yeah. Um, and I was, always, I was really impressed by this product that that's, was developed between yourself and three other friends or yeah, yeah. Um, colleagues. Yeah. And what I loved about the the whole idea of it that it was it's very much tackling this very digital dependent era that yeah. we're that we're currently in and and you're tackling it head on with what i see as a really positive approach to getting people to collectively give up their phones for mm. for a, a distraction free socially engaged mm-hmm. period of time whether yep. half an hour an hour or more and and points towards various reward schemes that's the that's your ultimate aim. Yeah, right? I mean, I think that's what it does, totally. I think one of the aims is to help people establish a more balanced relationship with their tech, really, and just to be more present. So giving people back their time, that's the ultimate outcome. But okay. totally, that's exactly what it does. You lock your phones away, you know, you get points. It's a bit of push and pull, some incentive. Sure. And then uh, a bit of locking your phone away for the psychological benefit of knowing when your phone is actually out of sight, it's, it's actually out of mind. <laughs> yes, yeah, which is really important so you can properly engage or, exactly. with, with the people that you're with. Yeah. And th- this this product is, you've got a website for it, haven't you? So yes. listeners who are interested to know a bit more, can we'll put it in the show notes. And, Brilliant, yeah. Because um, it's, it's, it's still, it's still discovertome.com and yeah, please do check it out. Yeah, fantastic. Um, but this idea is only one of many of your skills, which I see is, is very much to embrace better ways of living. And mm. if I understand correctly, one of your aims is to coach people to become more empowered to live their best life so that they feel more focused, fulfilled, engaged, 
living in the present. Is that, is Absolutely. That, have I got that right? Yes, uh, yeah. on the money. I mean, uh, you, as you have been seeing me around from time to time and traveling through in various guises, um, the ultimate aim for me is to help people to live more presently mm -hmm. and to uh, be most empowered as best they can be. Mm -hmm. And a number of tools that I use to do that, of course, as you already mentioned, Tome was one of them. Yes. Um, but also my coaching modality is another, helping people to express themselves and helping people to, I guess, tell their story, find and tell their story. Um, there is an element of mindfulness involved and it's all really under one aim, and that is to grow into better people. Right. And and you 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 yourself go on these silent treats. You went, I believe, you went to Ireland quite mm. recently, and you're about to go on another one in in South Africa, which is yeah, yeah. very challenging as far as I was concerned. I don't <laughs> think I could be quiet for ten days on the on the trot. But yeah, well, look, I mean, the, that for me is uh, it's really just um, to help me become better person or to help me grow when does it become better I and mean, it does sound very goal oriented it's not so much of, of, of I've got all these gaps that I need to close or anything like that but you know uh, as we improve in life and you know we're on the person development journey there's always room to to become more whole if you sure. want to call it that yeah so so that's my personal way of connecting with myself and just growing in awareness really um, so that's that's aside from my professional work, of course, but it, it helps me to serve people better mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from a more authentic place, you know. Okay. So you've had a few consultancy uh, consultancies, I should say, with, mm. was it with, with Marie Curie was one of them. And so, yeah. So I mean, the, so I've got two. The, so I mean, in, in real simple terms, there is uh, the startup which is uh, Modartus, and that's created Discover Tome. So that's the one project. Mm -hmm. And the other work is Calvin Oz Consulting, which under that I work with corporates, individuals, charities uh, to help them basically with, on their own empowerment journey. Right. And those products uh, are with Marie Curie, as you mentioned. I help the people in Marie Curie train and deliver training to others mm -hmm. in the company of how to express themselves most powerfully by telling the Marie Curie story. So there's a number of services I offer, mm -hmm. but they all have one purpose, as you yes, know, which yeah. is to, to really empower people to be on their A-game, if you want to call it that. Yeah, yeah. Thus, the name of your, your <laughs> website, and you call yourself the Empowerment, Empowerment Coach, Coach which, That's is, right. which is a great message to get across to people as to what exactly you are. Um, anyway, we're, we, we've uh, kind of digressed, so I'm going yeah. to pull you right back to the, the very beginning, as mm. it were, and to find out what initially brought you, or who initially brought you to London, mm. and how long ago was that? So, London, fantastic city. World's best city, if I might say. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I was born in uh, Barbados. Mm -hmm. First of all, I would say there's a, a connection to the UK just generally because my parents met here and got married here in the 60s. So, my mother was a nurse in Hammersmith Hospital. And my dad, who came here, was working in public transport initially before he uh, got into the foreign office and diplomatic service of the Caribbean island of Barbados. My mum right. herself is from Trinidad. So there's a historical link there. Yes, yeah. But uh, as my family travelled around the world, they spent a decade in, the, in New York City in the 70s and then moved back to the Caribbean. Um, by the time I became, uh, well, I thought I was a man, should we say? <laughs> by the time I became of age. Yes, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, And, you know, you start to get older. When I was a teenager, um, finishing school, the opportunity was there for me to go somewhere and study. Mm -hmm. That's how it all started. Right. Um, and having a historical link to the UK, yeah. um, it made sense. Now, a lot of my family uh, choose, we're a quite disparate family in terms of the spread around mm -hmm. the world. Um, my sister lives in, in, in Trinidad. My, all of my cousins from my family, siblings, live in America. It's not uncommon for people from the Caribbean to travel out. Mm -hmm. um, so what brought me here was... Uh, study yes. and life opportunity, really. Right. Um, you find uh, people from from the Caribbean who are fortunate enough to have a good education, especially from Barbados. I have to speak specifically about my experience, mm -hmm. which is to say somebody with a who was fortunate enough to have a, a good education and has the means to travel yes. often do. Yeah. So, uh, so that you would find a lot of 
what they define as brain drain because the people who they actually want to stay actually go out because they're right. looking for opportunities for themselves. Yeah. So that's really what brought me here. My sister was already living here. Right. So I came and shacked up with her for a bit mm -hmm. before I you know, got on my own two feet. Right. And that was in 97, okay. eight, 98. Okay. So initially coming to London, obviously it's it's was a bit of a culture shock, no doubt, for you. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of challenges did you face when you first came here? I mean, were your expectations met? Were they dashed and you had to rebuild them? Mm. Well, I mean, the interesting thing is I actually came here having not come here before. <laughs> yeah. I spent a lot of my childhood traveling in America and going to, to specifically New York because my parents have a familiar link there. Um, but my sister was in London. I came completely blind, mm. completely cold. Right. In literal sense of the word, <laughs> so quite quite courageous, really, in in a way. Or, it, or you just it was just you were ready for this. Challenge. I was ready. Yeah. I was ready. I felt it was time to go, mm -hmm. um, and I left. So at sixteen, I moved over here and moved in with my sister, um, and then uh, and then went to college. What was challenging about it was, of course, you know, no one mm -hmm. um, other than your family. Yeah. So you have to make all new friends, you of have course. to reacquaint yourself. But generally speaking, I mean, I'm quite an adventurous person. I'm the sort of person who will just get my bag and just go. Mm -hmm. So uh, exploring the territory was probably one of the better bits. Um, getting comfortable uh, with, you know, this, you know, there's a psychological adjustment that needs of to happen. Yeah. Um, that took me a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, so I think some of the challenges were mostly around uh, the social setting right. or bedding in, if you want yeah. to call it that. Um, but that, I mean, some people it's easier, some people it's harder. I think for me it was okay. Mm -hmm. And what, was it um, Hounslow, this area that you came to initially? It was, yeah, was? yeah. So and you, why this area? Because obviously your sister had chosen here. So my sister lived here, and. It wasn't. It was uh, in Heston, so it's just on the edge of Hounslow. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, but I didn't stay there very long, and then I came into a more central part of Hounslow and stayed there ever since. Mm -hmm. And and the area is is a mix of all cultures, really. Here, are you very multicultural. Yeah. That's one of the big things you don't really understand when you move to London. Yeah. So actually, there is a, a perception mm -hmm. that oh, London is like. England is all the same, you know, when you're a kid, that's mm. what happens, you know. Oh, that's what it's like in England, you, you, you know, you see only fools and horses and all these kinds of old shows and you make an assumption. Yeah. And then I came into uh, Heston and it was literally like, um, like if I thought I'd landed in India. <laughs> because it's like, oh, right, there's a huge uh, culture here. Yeah. Um, uh, and which, uh, which, of course, is very enriching in my, in my view. Mm. Um, but it was a surprise yeah. because I didn't expect that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people mm. find those surprises, especially when I moved to Heston, which is very close to Southall, which is like the sort of sort of Indian capital of London, if you want to call it that. So there's a whole rich diversity of various uh, Indian subcontinent cultures there. Yes. Um, but of course, there are other parts of Hounslow as well, which have um, different people from different communities, including the original Londoners who were here before all the migration from yes, the colonies. Yes. So it's quite it's quite a broad mix actually. Yeah. yeah. And and many people from Barbados in this area too. Or you I wouldn't say in huge amounts. No. Mm -hmm. um, some. But I think uh, you get other parts of London uh, had more Caribbean settlers mm -hmm. as opposed to particularly the west side, south definitely and north especially. Mm -hmm. um, but. Uh, there were few and far in between when I arrived. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and um, so obviously the reason you decided to stay was you finished college and got a job here, or did or did you leave and then come back to London? What was your what was the the London pool for you? So I mean, look, man, life is a unpredictable thing. It <laughs> certainly is. Yes. And you you have a view at one point in time when you look in the rearview mirror. Um, the reasons become different. But if I could transport myself back, my motivations at the time of staying, um, one word, was love. Right. <laughs> I stayed okay. to, to settle down with my fiancé, mm -hmm. who I have to say I use that term very loosely because we didn't have a big romantic engagement 
Right. <laughs> I didn't go down on one knee in Paris. No. Um, but I was actually uh, going to move to to America actually at one point okay. um, to pursue a career. Right. And I stayed for her. Right. So that's really why I stayed. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> You didn't know that, did you? No, I did not. No, there we go. It's Surprise. all being it's all been uh, revealed today on the podcast. You're going to know so. me better than anyone after this, yeah. So, um, okay, we'll mm. just break it up quickly at this point then mm. with, mm. A, with a quick round of questions mm. for you. Um, mm. So, favourite form of London transport? Bus, tube or something else? Train. It's got to be train. got to be train. I mean, I know trains is across the whole UK, but train's got to be. Mm-hmm. My granddad worked on the railway. Oh, did he? I worked on the railway yeah. for a very long time. Well, relatively speaking, yeah. for a, for a, over a decade. And yeah, I've got much more of a, an attachment to the rail. Okay. Yeah. Um, favorite place on a sunny summer's day: a London park or the Thames, or maybe something else. Thames is good. Uh, I like water. I like being near water. Yeah. Do you um, have a favorite place that you like to go to on those sunny summer days? Well, I mean, now I like space and quiet. <laughs> yeah, yes. Okay. Now I like space and quiet. Yes. Um, and you might recall um, having a, a nice stroll alongside uh, the River Way mm-hmm. uh, with me in the past. That's right. And uh, I love being near the water, space and green. Yeah, picnic. Um, well. Yeah, but when time's gone by, I wouldn't mind sitting outside in a pub garden with a few pints. <laughs> Yes. And some friends. <laughs> cool. And uh, did you have a favourite pub around this area that you used to go to? Then? Well, incidentally, I mean, I, I don't know if this is fact, so don't quote me verbatim, but Brentford, which mm-hmm. is in the London Borough of Hounslow, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, had the highest density of pubs of anywhere in the UK mm. at one point because of the docks. Yeah. Um, so bumping into a pub, actually just down there where we stopped on earlier was mm-hmm. a pub. Two minutes away up there was a pub. So the Wellington was one, was a local one. Um, but most of the time, I spent my time, funnily enough, in Ealing. Okay. Um, so even though I lived in Helmslow, all of my friendship base was in Ealing. Right. And all the pubs in, in Ealing was, um, was I would say, were my, my regular haunts. Okay. So it's, it's an area to check out. I, I don't know Ealing at all well, actually, so I'm just going to go for a walk one along. One for the list. One, another one for the <laughs> list, actually. This list is becoming very long, I have to say. <laughs> um, Okay, so favorite, do you have a favourite London expression or English phrase that perhaps initially bemused you when you first came <laughs> here? Well, I had a friend who used to say up there for thinking, down there for dancing. <laughs> and uh, that one had me stumped for a while. <laughs> um, but uh, I do love it. And I have to say, I use it from time to time now and a lot of people don't know what I'm not on about. <laughs> Funnily enough, I came across that expression for the first time myself only a couple of weeks back and, yeah. um, and it made me laugh too. I just thought, what? <laughs> so clearly it, has, it is a phrase that yeah, is around. Yeah, totally. I? Yeah. I think it's a dying phrase, I have to okay. say. <laughs> um, okay, so street food or pub grub? Street food. I know it's quite modern. I know it's quite it modern. Is, yes. But I do think one of the... Uh, best bits of London is its uh, dynamic cultural infusion sure. and that bears I, I suppose that you can see that in types of street food markets and things so you get quite a rich diversity so I love to to experience that mm-hmm. and do you have a favorite food market or one that you've been visited been going to more recently I used to work in Waterloo on the South Bank and there was a food market just behind the South Bank Centre they yeah. used to pop up once every couple of months or so. Mm-hmm. And they had all kinds of food there. You know, we had the Eastern European food. We had Indian grub. We had, it was fantastic. Indian food happens to be my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did appreciate the choice. Um, would I say I had a particular kind of food I gravitated towards in street markets? No. no. I love the option. Yeah, I love the vibrancy, yes. the excitement. And the smells. The, the smells and, and the people and... looking around. And, yeah. you know, it was almost like, getting away for a bit from, you know, you could experience like a quick subculture or get away from your routine. You know, yeah. you're in the office and you pop out and you're suddenly in a new place. Yes. So it does have that sort of way to stimulate the mind. Yeah, it transports you, doesn't Tran- it? That's the word I was looking for, <laughs> transports you. That's the one. Um, you should be a travel expert, you know? Oh, fine. Maybe, maybe I'll give that a go. <laughs> um, okay, on to our second round of questions now. Mm. Um, so... 
You said home was originally in Barbados. Yeah. Where, whereabouts in Barbados? It's not a place I've been to as yet. Well, we shall have to add that one to the I, list. Well, definitely. I shall be asking your advice in a moment about, <laughs> about places to visit. Well, I mean, it's been over 20 years. So what's <laughs> whether there's actually a huge amount there that I'll tell you that's current, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But but certainly the south coast is where I was born. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, born in, I was actually born in St. Michael, um, where the main hospital is. But I lived uh, on the south coast my entire life until I left, and that's a place called Chantry Lane. Right. Actually, it's, it's not <laughs> at no. all like the city. It's a nice, sleepy little little um, residential area, which I guess is very quiet. Actually, mm. and, well, it was until me and my friends came of age, <laughs> and then it was like hundreds of us running around in mocker, you know, making nuisance of ourselves in the area. But um, yeah, it's on the south coast, mm-hmm. and Barbados is a very tiny island. You know, it's only eleven miles long right. by I think it's four miles or wide or something. It's it's very small. Mm. It's, it's not even got three hundred thousand people there. Um, I think that there is there is a perception that is bigger because it's quite a developed island. Right. It's got quite a, a high ranking, if you want to call it, on nations that are developed in the world. Um, and it's it's got a robust health system and good water and all these things where what uh, what you measure. But if you're gonna go, I would say South Coast and West Coast are for uh, the calm, scenic, crispy white sand, you know, turquoise water, really calm. And then the East Coast is uh, and the Southeast Coast is more rough and surfing oriented because on that side, on the right side, is the open air of the Atlantic Ocean, right, yeah. undisturbed, coming across from course, Africa. Yeah. And then it's more yeah. wild and rugged. Yeah. And, and that you see that just from looking. Mm. And then on the left side of the island, you have calm Caribbean Sea because it's almost like, a, a, I guess, protected by the island chain. Mm-hmm. And that sits between uh, America, Central America, and the Caribbean islands. And that's really scenic and picturesque. So you could get quite a mix, mm-hmm. quite a mix. Mm. Um, but that's where that was home for me for for a while. And did you, you had a, did you have a complete sense of freedom there? I mean, did your parents allow you just to travel travel around the island? Could you just go off? Totally. Just do whatever you like. Totally. So. I mean, look, I'm a parent myself now, and I find myself thinking, well, what would I have done when I was a kid? I certainly wouldn't let my kids do that now. Hmm. And I could wake up in the morning as a kid. I mean, as a small child, like seven or eight. Yeah. And be gone for the entire day. Wow. Not see my parents. I'd be up before they were up. Yeah. I'd be gone. Did you leave them a note? You just no, no, just nothing. Amazing. <laughs> they would just know. Oh, he's gone playing or yes. whatever. And then I might pop in for lunch, yeah. and then I might come back later. And that's just how it was. And friends would come by and they would shout and they say, "Hey, you home?" And you know, and there was no phones, obviously. So mm. people either turned up, yeah, or or I mean, you might get a courtesy call on a landline. Um, but that was rare. Okay. People would just literally doorstep you. Really? <laughs> but that was normal. And then where where would you go? I mean, did did you did you would you just jump on a bus or get on your bike and go across to the other side of the island or? What no, nothing that crazy. Yeah. I mean, you'd stay in the neighbourhood. Okay. You're saying if if you were going to go out out, <laughs> then yeah. you tell your parents. Yes. If okay. you were going to jump on a bus or you know go across the island, you tell your parents I'm going to town or I'm going here, I'm going there. But, you know, I'd spend my time going down to the beach, uh, picking up shells. I had a friend, Dominic, who was a really fantastic craftsman, mm-hmm. and he would collect shells and make jewellery. We'd play cops and robbers in the evening with the bikes, play basketball outside in the garden, or just go by friends and hang out, mm-hmm. climb trees, pick fruit. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a lot of uh, wild uh, fruits called dunks, or o- otherwise called... Uh, Chinese apple, but we called them dunks. Okay. And we could just go pick dunks. What, what, what does a dunk look like? It looks like a really, 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 really small apple. Think of uh, an sweet? olive. Think of an olive. Yes. It's the size of an olive, mm-hmm. but it looks like an apple. And are they sweet, sour? They have different stages of ripeness, actually. Okay. So you can get them sweet, but mm-hmm. you have to wait till they become really ripe. Right. Or you can get when you um, they're quite uh, sour when they're uh, hard and crispy, which is how I like them. Right. So they're certainly more comparable to apple texture. Yes. Um, but when they get really ripe, they get kind of soft. Some people like them like that. Mm. I don't. 
But you'd go and pick dunks, you know, you, that's what you did. You picked yeah. dunks, you climbed trees, you know, you had races, you, <laughs> you put cops and robbers on your bike, play yeah. football in the park, do whatever, you know. It was complete freedom. Honestly, it really was complete freedom. Not a digital <laughs> appliance in sight. So. No. I mean, there was Atari, There was uh, then there was obviously Nintendo yeah. that came about. But even so, I mean... Kids would play outside. that, but it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't that compelling. Yeah. I mean, when you had people outside hanging out, and you know, I had a next door neighbour, Emma. Uh, she was uh, she was actually from London and moved to Barbados. Right. And we used to sit down outside in the garden at night and just look at the stars and mm. actually make up stories about what we're looking at. And you know, you know, there's all those things that that, you, that I miss and I don't see now. Mm. You know, mm. because the light pollution. Yeah. isn't there yeah. so you can see the stars that's the first thing and then of course uh, the cloud cover isn't as terrible um, because of the nature of the climate here so actually you're more connected to nature mm. more connected to the rhythms of, of nature uh, and that's uh, something people probably take for granted yeah. uh, actually you're painting a very idyllic picture here so <laughs> I had a good childhood yeah I had a good childhood and do you ever think or believe that you might go back there again to live anything is possible um, do I have a desire to at this point? No. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think I've come to the understanding that you, you should never say never about anything. Sure. And uh, keep an that. open mind. Yeah. Keep an open yeah. mind. So I could end up anywhere. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the, the kind of person that I am now, I just go anywhere I need to go. Mm. Where the opportunity might be mm. or where the aspiration takes me. So the impetus to move will very much be dependent on the circumstances at the time. But interestingly, can I just say, when you mention challenges, I think one of the things that I've learned now, and I mentioned back then what, what my motivation was then, yeah. but if I look in the rear view now yeah. and I see some of the benefits of the challenges, one I would say is very much uh, that cultural disassociation. Mm -hmm. I think culture is very much a conditioned thing. It's a social conditioning, you know. It's not, you're not born with culture in your DNA. No. You know, it's something you learn. Of course, yes. So. Because you're living it day to day. You're living it day to day. Yeah. You eat this food, you listen to this music, the people speak in this way, the behavioral characteristics are entrained in you. And then what you learn is there is an attachment to a culture and then that becomes your identity. Mm. So I think one of the benefits of traveling around like that, one of the challenges as well, but then the benefit there that, that comes after is to, to see that actually, who am I? <laughs> yes. What is my identity? Yeah. And traveling around, you know, I mean, I'm fairly well-traveled, maybe not as well-traveled as you are, the traveling through um, Supremo, but certainly what I've learned is all our differences are not that great. Uh, our struggles, our mm -hmm. challenges, our joys, they're all the same, mm -hmm. maybe painted in yellow instead of brown, maybe... Uh, you know, happens at daytime instead of night and whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's some uh, abstract differences which are meaningless. Yeah. But the cultural shift and the question around what is your identity mm. really helps you to actually disassociate yourself from a potential limitation. Yep. You know? Yeah. Who I think I am yeah. may not be who I actually am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the bottom line is we're all human beings with the same kind of feelings and uh, sensitivities totally. to, to different degrees mm. and, and, uh, and it's how we deal with all of those and sometimes yeah cultural conditioning can kind of um, create barriers to how we deal with it and it's being able to see beyond that yeah uh, it really helps to be able to free yourself from a identity which is given to you mm. and then you're given the choice to then ask the question mm -hmm. you know yeah. Is my culture my identity in the first place? Mm. And then when you open up these doorways through travel, you get to see a lot of new things which help you to question or reframe the way that's perceived in your own mind about yourself. Mm. <laughs> no, no, totally. Um, so as you're not currently planning to go back to mm. Barbados, mm. Um, you, you've talked a lot about your, your childhood and your freedom. What's one of your fondest memories that maybe you account to your children saying, oh, I remember when... When I was growing up. Yeah. Or just generally about Barbados. Do you miss the food or the, the heat? I miss the beach. You miss the beach, yeah. I think any person from Barbados would probably tell you that. I mean, there are only two parishes in the island which are non-coastal. 
every other parish mm. there has coast. Right. So every person would have had some direct contact with the beach at some point in their life every day. Right. More or less. It, I'm not saying everybody goes swimming every day, mm. but they would have, you know, I mean, just driving to school, you drive literally past the beach mm. at some point every day, every day. So there's that interaction with the water and it's so picturesque mm. and so taken for granted too because, you know, when you're born into somewhere, you don't really know how good what you've got is. Yeah. So I would say I would miss that. Um, in terms of family and all of that, my family's a nomadic family anyway. Quite disparate family. Yeah, yeah. yeah which, is, which is quite nice in a way. Got a well, it's helpful because it gets me to see more parts of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that's that. I would say the beach for sure. Okay. And... Um, for for myself visiting Barbados for the for the first time, mm. I mean you mentioned a couple of places that you, in terms of the differences between the the east coast and the west coast. Mm -hmm. But if you, if there was somewhere that's a bit more off the beaten track, where would you suggest that I would? Visit? Well, I know you haven't been there for. It's, well, you've it's been, been a. I mean, I've gone back on holiday and things. Mm. So bear in mind, you know, I have lived there twenty two years ago. Mm. So a lot has changed, mm -hmm. um, and because it's such a tourist hotspot, um, there's much that, rem or should I, should I rephrase that, there is very little that remains to be discovered there. Yeah. Uh, but I would advocate for anybody who goes to do a cultural immersion as much as possible. Mm. In that island, you find that tourists and locals mix anyway. Right. Quite fluidly yeah um so that's fine but then you have the quite the typical sort of tourist attractions mm -hmm. but not many people really go up north okay. in sort of st lucie area mm. um for any immersive experiences um because they're just locals who live there mostly i mean there are a few distilleries around and uh and that's uh, a known area for that for um mountain gay rum and right. these things which, um, by the way, the founders were distant cousins of mine. By oh, the really? Way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> claim so, to fame. Claim to fame. I had one last night just because it was uh, in the blood. In honor. In honor. <laughs> in honor, yeah. Uh, I think they're owned by Remy Martin now or something. Yeah. But um, the point, though, is that that's, I would say, is more off the beaten track than not. Right. People would ex have explored and experienced that. Yeah. The West Coast and all the scenic, uh, picturesque scenes, the South, South Coast and the fishing culture and oysters and the beach. But actually going up yeah. north and maybe doing something a bit more immersive could mm. be something to try. It certainly would have been when I was there. Right. To what degree that's the case now, I don't yeah. know. Mm. I'll have to go and find out. You have to go that. and find out. Yes, you have to go and find out. Back. Well, look, put it this way. I went to school with a guy, a guy called Kerwin. Fantastic guy he was. He was built like an ox. And Kerwin, before he came to school every morning, Kerwin was up at 5 a.m. because mm. he had to put the sheep out to pasture. Yeah. Right. And he had work to do yeah. on on his uh, family's, I, wasn't, I wouldn't even go so far as to call it a farm. I, his dad just owned a few sheep. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These are black belly sheep, they were called. Um, I think they're actually, actually indigenous to the island. Okay. Or if they're not, the island is certainly known for them. You don't really see these sheep anywhere else. Mm. They're brown mm. with black bellies. Okay. Yeah, very unique. And Kerwin used to go and do this. And, you know, Kerwin would have defined himself as a countryman. Yeah? Right. Now, yeah. bear in mind, this is a tiny island, right? Yeah. So yeah. being a countryman when somebody only lives half an hour drive away sounds really <laughs> strange. But there was a, a difference in the way people were living their life yeah. in that way. Yeah. And this is what comes to mind when I think about St. Lucie is a different type of existence for people there, right. say, for people who lived in some more developed parts of the South and the West. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to go to Barbados <laughs> one day. I'll let you know when I do. <laughs> um, okay, so on to um, another quick round of questions. Mm. Um, are you a cinema or a theatre goer? Yeah, both. Both, okay. Mm. I haven't been to the theatre for some time, mm. but certainly I've been to the cinema. And do you have a favourite venue that you like to go to? Well, I recently went to the BFI mm. to watch some independent films because they tend to host some independent films there. Yeah. And that was fantastic. Mm. It yeah, really been was. Been there for a while, actually. Yeah, really, really good. Some films, gems that you would not find anywhere else. Okay. And this is the beauty as well of of it, of it because it's so rich in opportunity to explore things in London 
that so many things go un undiscovered or, yes. or missed yes definitely if we don't bring the attitude of curiosity to our experience so we really have to come with that desire in the first place when we're traveling around even when we're at home yes to want to see something new or yeah. discover something for the first time you yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah so the bfi totally on the south bank yes yeah in fact it's years since i've been there i need to go back and have that <laughs> another thing for the list another thing for the list yes um so dinner out or nightlife to dawn dinner out dinner out mm. do you have a go-to place or at the moment do you have a favorite kind of place where you would hmm good question so we used to go to a place called Piazza Firenze in uh, Hampton. Mm -hmm. That place is a family-owned Italian restaurant. They do great pizza, the food's pretty good, but the ambiance and the environment, and because we go as a family, yeah. and there's that uh, meaning, I suppose, that you attach to, the, to, the, to that uh, mm -hmm. experience, I look at, I feel great going there. You right. know, it's a nice warming experience to go there. Mm -hmm. So I'd certainly say that. It just makes the food taste better. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> you know, no, you have no, a good sure. ambiance, you're, you're a good company, you're yeah. relaxed, the yeah. food just tastes so much better. Okay. Um, so I would say that, yeah. Okay, we'll go with that. Um, a favourite place to go walking or cycling in or around London? I touched on the River Way earlier. But... River Way is one. Um, another one I like to do, there are two walks I do quite frequently just for my own sake. Yes. Uh, one of them is in Bracknell, mm -hmm. uh, a Swinley Forest. Oh, okay. Some people call it Bracknell Forest, it's actually called Swinley Forest. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a fantastic place to go to really connect with nature, okay. forest bathe, yeah. you know, just get some headspace, some clean air. And you can actually walk in parts there where you come across no one for a while quite mm. a while mm. uh, and then the other one for something more sedentary and civilized and yeah. i put that in quotes <laughs> is uh virginia water lakes oh yes it's a very pleasant space nice. it's a very pleasant space and it's easy to get to from london by by train by easy to get to straight to virginia water and then it's like a i don't know few 15 20 minute walk from mm. there mm -hmm. um also you can drive there but it's so beautiful mm. And of course, because I like water, yes, it's yes. just nice. Yes. So if I had to pick one, yeah. it would be Swinley, okay. more rugged. But both good choices, and both I need to add to my list <laughs> too. This is ridiculous. We'll film the next podcast there. We'll do a vlog there. <laughs> Maybe we should do yeah, that. Video good idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we're on to our third round, mm. the last big round of questions. Da, 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 yeah, drum roll. So if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Now, that is a tough question because you know it's a tough question. <laughs> no, I, to be honest, I have no idea how I would answer this question myself. <laughs> how about you have a much, give it a go? It's much, it's much easier being the one asking the questions. <laughs> Trying to turn the tables. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have a particular place in mind. Hmm. I know what characteristics are like. Okay, we'll go with that then as a starter. Yeah. Starter for 10. Uh, so, I mean, 15 years ago, I might have wanted to sort of be in a suburban area which was very close to the city but not quite in it mm. but not quite countryside um in and a that city was included i mean like london any, or any, any city any, yeah. any city which had access to all the conveniences which had all the amenities which had all the places of interest but not be able to have it on my doorstep but be able to reach it within reasonable time right so it was a very convenient space appraisal i think now I'm much more appreciative of the space, mm. much more appreciative of the space. So would I go to, would I advocate for a big open plain? It'd have to be scenic. Yeah. So the picture that comes to my mind is uh, there's a place in Cupertino, uh, sorry, near Cupertino. There's a place in uh, California called Half Moon Bay. Okay. I only say Cupertino because I actually went there um, to Cupertino first and drove to Half Moon Bay. Right. And open space. Yeah. Big hills that right. you can see, lovely, rich forests, mm. and um, spacious and clean and and not too far from things. Yeah. <laughs> so you can get a, the best of both. And you're near the ocean there. Near Half Moon Bay is very so you've got right on the ocean. The choice of everything, bit of everything there. Perfect. Yeah. So somewhere that fit that mold. Okay. I would have thought 
I would jump straight at it right now. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> all right. Give it to me, I'll take it. Good answer. I like that. So it's, it's a good uh, good one to kind of, you've got your criteria sorted. Mm, so mm. It's, um, you can keep exploring the world until you find the, that maybe, perfect. Maybe I'll just pick Harpoon Bay. Maybe, okay. Maybe we'll just we'll pick go, that. We'll go with that. We'll go with that for the time being. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, from, from what you've been saying, it's clear that you do have a wanderlust, but would you say you have more of a wanderlust nature than being an armchair traveller? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, so I've travelled a lot as a kid because I had the privilege of doing mm. so. My dad was a diplomat. So as a, as a result of his job, he travelled a lot. I was yeah. fortunate enough to be able to travel with him mm. and be able to see him. And uh, I recognise how fortunate that I was in that position to mm. do that. But what that's done is it's planted a seed, like you say, of adventure or, mm. you know, a curious nature to explore new territories, to uh, immerse myself in new places and cultures, to see things. Now, with my deepening interest in becoming more mindful, more present, I'm very keen to explore more mindful travel. Mm. And what I mean by that is when I go, for example, I'm going to South Africa in two weeks for a whole month. Sure. I really want to be able to have a deeper connection with the place when I go on a sensory basis, mm. but also how do I feel when I'm there? How does it really feel to drink the water that comes from South Africa? Mm. You know, yeah. How does the breeze differ from the breeze in London? How, how does the sound uh, of the background impact on me? Mm. And how is that different from, say, the place I was just before I left? And just really livening the senses and connecting in a much deeper way in a much more present slower way mm -hmm. uh would be good yeah mm. i think it's probably something that more people should should do i should try that <laughs> i well, mean i do i suppose i do through walking you get a real sense of through landscape mm, um, mm -hmm. but particularly when you're walking by yourself you yeah get a sense of being at one with nature and to to think or or have a, a totally clear mind and just just take in your absorb the environment. Well, that's the interesting thing. Gently. I mean, so you know, we were talking earlier and we we're talking about running just before we came on air, and you know, we were talking about how people sometimes have epiphanies when they're running or out in nature, which is my my choice and where I get a lot of solutions is when I am connected with nature. And I think in those instances, you know. You are having those uh, euphoric moments. You're having the endorphins. And it opens up a higher state of consciousness, if you want to call it that. Mm. Gives you access to more information than you would ordinarily have yeah. if you're constrained by the ordinary mundane uh, travails of life. So, so having that experience mm. does open channels up inside of you, yeah. actually, as well. Um, but in terms of really connecting with, with the environment and really connecting with the space... I think that is a uh, contrast to how a lot of people do it now with the uh, ubiquity of air travel. Mm. Because what happens is people can get somewhere really fast now, can't they? They can, yeah. So, so it's like, oh, I can get there really quickly. I can get there. I may as well squeeze that in while I'm there. Mm. So the attitude to travel now is I want to go from this place to that place to this place to that place and cram it all in. So I met a guy just randomly the other day who was absolutely exhausted. And he was like, oh, I thought I'd bring my wife over from America to see Europe. And, you know, she really wanted to see uh, the Colosseum and she really wanted to go to, to do the gondolas. And then we went to see the Eiffel Tower. And of course, we had to see St. Paul's Cathedral. Anyway, the list went on and on and on. And within three weeks, they were absolutely shattered. Yeah. Totally it's shattered. It's a tick list, isn't it? It was a checklist. Yeah. Complete checklist. Yeah. So how much do we actually experience mm. in that innocence? Yeah very little so we bring greater awareness to our travel experience i think then that we can really enjoy it even more definitely kind of less is more mm. just, just mm. absorb where you are and because it's impossible to see everything so let's just all calm down a bit and just yeah yeah and see. there is a guy there's a guy called uh, joseph goldstein a famous uh, well i say famous he's a he's an author and a teacher in america and he says what if i told you that you could extend your life it's like, well, how can you extend your life? You know, I'm eating healthily. And no, I don't mean extend your life in length. I mean extend your life in depth and quality. Right. And that is how you obtain extension of life. Yeah. And the only way we are going to really see and realize uh, an extension of our own lives mm. is to be able to travel in that way. Yeah. When yeah. we are traveling to really enhance the depth and quality 
of that experience at any given moment. Yeah. And so I'm certainly an advocate for that. And I'll be putting it to the test in South Africa in a week, a week or two's yes, time. I'm looking forward to hearing all about that when you come back. Too. <laughs> um, so you visited through, through your father's work and, yeah. uh, and, um, and generally your own curiosity, a lot of places in the world. Um, and out of all those places that you've seen or experienced so far, what has impacted you? Or is there one place that has impacted on you more than any other place? And, and why? Well, I mean, this is going to sound really corny because a lot of people see this place. I have a very soft spot for Edinburgh. It's one of my favourite places. Of all. I'd lo- I love Scotland generally. Mm. And I actually... You're not just saying that because I'm from Edinburgh. <laughs> mm, okay, you got did me. You know I, did you know I wasn't from Edinburgh? <laughs> I know you were from Edinburgh, yeah. I did. Okay, but genuinely though, yeah. I mean, apart from the fact that you're from there, which makes it yeah. fantastic, the place is just magical and I don't know why. I don't know what it is that makes it so magical. I think it's a combination of, the, of course, the architecture is, is historic and beautiful and how that contrasts with the landscape. It's, it's, it feels like timeless, but modern. I don't know how else to describe it. It's a great uh, interweaving or cross-section of old, new, nature, mm. fast, slow. I mean, it's all brought together in one thing. You compare that to a city like London. London's just fast. That's it. The end. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. go to New York, New York just fast. The yeah. end. Everyone's on the hustle. Everyone's on the grind. Edinburgh has some magic there. And that place has really impressed me. Um, Parts of uh, other parts of Scotland I've I've really appreciated in Venice as well. But Edinburgh's one of my favourite places. I've been there ten times. Really, ten times. That's really fascinating because I, (laughs) I obviously having grown up in Edinburgh, see Edinburgh in a very different. Of course, (laughs) of course. And this is the thing about perspective, isn't it? Of course. You know, you you speak to another person from our base, he'll tell you something completely different to what I've told you. Yeah. There'll be some commonality, I'm sure. I mean, then his perspective will be different because we're all looking, you know, at the center of the cape from a different slice. Yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely. In fact, I was in Edinburgh just just the other day, for and um, and one fantastic thing about Edinburgh is you can walk everywhere and you can get to very different parts of Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, just on foot, which I love. I mean, obviously you can catch a bus too, but yeah. Um, so you are you are right in many ways, and. Um, but my my uh, the way I see Edinburgh is, is coloured by the by my growing up there and, and mm. how I with the experiences I had some amazing mm-hmm. and some pretty horrible so it's a, yeah, it's a yeah. real mix and I think that does change your 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 view on, on, on a place too so but it, you're right in the sense that if I was just looking at at, at it from a a very objective view. It is yeah. a magical place, and it's it has a great beauty for sure. So, yeah. um, so I'll let you have your Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I just I just have to say, my experiences there were always fantastic. So that yeah. does help. Yeah, well, yes, no, definitely. Yeah, weather aside. <laughs> um, okay, so believe it or not, we're down to our our final question. Oh, so, I better get ready for this which one. Which is, um, what would be the one piece of advice? you would give someone moving to London for the first time? It would have to be, you know, based on what we were discussing earlier, that London has got something for everyone. Just keep an open mind and you will find whatever you're looking for, it'll be right there. Mm. You know, that's the beauty about London. Uh, It's a vibrant city. Uh, It keeps... It's, I mean, Londoners care about its, its culture, the, the, you know, the theatre, the arts. Mm. You know, we're one of the few sort of first world places who you can still access a lot of these museums for free. Yes. Um, there's a, a great value placed on the richness and the history of, of the place, which is only, I guess, enhanced by its diversity. There's any, any and everything you want is here. Mm. If that's what, you, if what you're looking for, whatever it is you're looking for, it's here. Mm. Even if you want space, you can go to parts of London and you can find space. Mm. It's one of the greener cities that mm-hmm. I've, I've seen of, of equivalent uh, economic development. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in that regard, I'd say if you're coming to London, mm. keep an open mind and just experience it fully. Be curious. Be curious, yeah. totally. Yeah. 
Good answer. I like that. So, Calvin, all, mm. all my all the main questions I, I've put to you now, and mm. um, and I've really enjoyed talking to you about it and learning a lot about about your your childhood. Learned a lot about up, me there. Growing up in <laughs> Barbados, and but is there is there anything else that you would like to add as a as a final kind of final shot to the to the podcast and people listening today? I think we've encapsulated or touched on, I suppose, the essence of what I perceive to be important uh, for travel based on where I am today. Mm. You know, it's just remember when we are traveling and we're experiencing new things, we're bringing those attitudes of curiosity, of openness with us. Uh, and also it gives us the chance to, to check ourselves with our attachment to our identity. Mm. Who are we really? Yeah. And how can we look for that commonality wherever we go? Because it's there. Yes. Um, but that's pretty much it. It's as yeah. simple as that. Yeah. And that's the beauty of traveling through. It certainly is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Calvin, thanks so much for uh, coming on the show and sharing your, your story, your thoughts of London, the world and life with us today. Thank you. So we'll put in the show notes your various websites and how people can get in touch with you if they're, if they're interested in learning more about um, your skills in terms of the empowerment mm -hmm. and also to look at the product home if, Please they, do. if they wish to yep. and any other any everything that we've talked about today obviously we shall put in the notes also um, but for the listeners today we hope that you have enjoyed the show and it's been inspiring for you I've certainly got a number of takeaways from uh, my chat with Calvin today, and I hope you have too. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do give us a rating and a review. Calvin will be looking out for those. I you? certainly will. Yes. I certainly will. Um, please do subscribe. Yes. Because that's really important for us. And finally, please share this podcast with your friends. If you've enjoyed it, hopefully they will too. We'll be back next week with more Travelling Through Tales from London's melting pot of cultures, the London Pool. What makes you stay and what makes you leave? But for now, take care and thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Hello and welcome to the Travelling Through podcast. I'm your host, Emma, and today I'm interviewing Calvin Niles, entrepreneur and empowerment coach. He's from Barbados, and this is his story about London, the world and life.